Welcome to MoneyMD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. So Ryan, here we are right in the throes of football season now. We have another great week coming up here. We got uh, we had Georgia Tech coming to Clemson. That's right. So we're hoping for some redemption from losing to Georgia a couple weeks ago. Yep, and, take it um, out on the other Georgia team. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and so we're hopeful there. I'm a Clemson grant, as you know. We both are. And um, But then we have uh, Carolina going to play Georgia between the hedges. Yikes. Yikes. Ouch. And I think last time Carolina was there, they won at Georgia. And did they? So really? That's I'm, right. They did. They I don't did. think Georgia's forgotten that. I don't think. <laughs> we, might, we might see some Gamecocks flying over the hedges this time. Georgia has an incredible defense, and uh, but who knows? Maybe maybe South Carolina can score more points than Clemson did against them. Uh, I, I, yeah, we'll I see. doubt it. We only scored three, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's that's gonna be a very interesting game. Good luck for the Gamecock yes, fans out luck. there. Uh, I I think Georgia's getting ready to try to run you off the field. But uh, anyway, and then we got the Ryder Cup coming up next yes. week. I love that. Um, Ryder Cup's always a good time. It is. They're playing at Whistling Straits this year, um, and we have a great. I mean, we have some of the top players in the world. You know, really, we I think we're kind of dominating the top ranks, but mm-hmm. we seem to. Always dominate top ranks, yet we haven't won since 2008. Ouch. Ouch. So um, the international team just, you know, with the likes of John Rahm and people like that. And, They've uh, got good players over there. Roy McIlroy. I mean, you know, they somehow they seem to always get the best of us. So we'll yeah. see. That'll be fun, though. That, that starts great. next Thursday, I think. So uh, there you go. Um, and speaking of great, I mean, we have a great show lined up for today. Um you know, we're going to talk about long-term care. What are your options there? Um, this is a the topic that we'd like to cover every now and then. And there are a lot of changes that happen with long-term care options. Of course, it gets more expensive. But, you know, this is a, such a big issue for today's retirees. Um, we just want to talk through all the options you have. And a very interesting topic. And, you know, um, it's just something worth revisiting every couple of years. And Absolutely. so we're going to dig into that. And, um uh, then we got a good good topic on changing jobs, right? Yeah, this is questions to ask before you change jobs. A lot of people are changing jobs this past two years, and so you, there's a lot of questions you want to ask yourself, but also the HR at the new company, just to make sure it's a good fit for you before you make that big change. Yeah, that's a great topic because, I mean, sometimes the grass looks greener on the other side, and mm-hmm. it's when you get there, it's not quite as green as it looked like. So yeah. uh, you really want to be careful before you go jump jobs. Uh, particularly in today's world. Um, but, um, you know, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 26 years' experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm also a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. And we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday, really morning, in the morning, I think it's up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, every year. I think we're one episode away from the 400 episode, the 400, yeah. Wow, yeah, we have been doing this a very long time, by the way, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Um, you can link to all of our sh- all our shows there, the current show, and they're listed by topic, so there's a ton of information out there. Lots of tools, a lot of calculators, a financial planning tool out there that you can get a snapshot of where you stand. 
Um, so lots of resources. Check us out on MoneyMD.net. You can also link to us there. Send us your questions. We would love to hear from you, and we will talk about those right here on the show. We're going to start off here, Ryan, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, speaking of jobs, uh, this is about retirement. So 3.2 million Americans retired in 2020. That's a lot. So that's a 56% increase over the average of 2 million Americans who retired over the previous eight years. So we're seeing a lot of people retiring. Um, I think wow. people got used to being home during the pandemic and said, yep. I kind of like this. It's amazing how the pandemic has uprooted so many norms and have changed so much, you know, um, about the workplace and jobs and, and just every everybody out there, you know, even their outside activities now. Um People, you know, adding on to their houses. But, yeah, the retirement part is amazing. That That's a huge increase, 56%, an extra million people, basically, that are retiring, have retired in the past year uh, just as a result of this pandemic and, and the way things have changed. So Yeah, quite but, significant. There so. you go. But good for our business because we have lots of people to help. So. That's right like that. Good facts of the week. And that leads us up here to our first topic, and that is long-term care. What are your options? And uh, Ryan, I mean, this comes out of a, an article from Fidelity.com. Um, but long-term care is kind of like estate planning. You know, it's one of those things that you often we often delay addressing for as long as possible, and for good reason, because it's kind of hard. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there often aren't a lot of great solutions to it. But, you know, the reality is, I mean, in America, I mean, somebody turning 65 today, they do have like a 70% chance of needing some type of long-term care in their remaining years to assist with performing the, the kind of the everyday task, like eating, bathing, you know, and dressing and those kinds of things. They call them ADLs. And according to the Department of Health and Human Services, the average long-term care services last about three years. Having said that, you know, the odds of needing long-term care for more than a few months is a lot less. Um, in fact, to look at the other side of the coin, according to a study by the American Association for Long-Term Care Insurers, the chance of someone buying a long-term care policy at age 60 and using those benefits beyond the typical 90-day elimination period, which is kind of the deductible in the policy, was only 35%. <clears throat> so 35% will likely use their coverage, 65% will likely not use their long-term care coverage. So that does kind of put it in a different light, but yeah. it's still a very, very important thing to look at. But yeah, but long-term care expenses are a key risk to your retirement plan, and you need to make sure you plan for them. You know, if long-term care is needed, it will affect you and your caregivers financially, physically, and emotionally. Um, so even if you don't get insurance, having a plan to address these concerns is critical to easier on you and your family and also your friends. A lot of people are involved when it comes to long-term care. In fact, 56% of family caregiver, caregivers have children under the age of 18, so a lot of life going on there. Uh, while it used to be that families cared for their aging relatives, today, uh, today's elderly increasing, uh, they rely on professional care. So people are living longer, so that means you need more professional care. It's harder to take care of because it's a longer period of time. Uh, often long-term care starts with services such as home visits, and then it kind of transitions to, you know, in-home health, um, and then, you know, eventually to like a full-time service care required. Uh, so these services will increase um, in cost if you require uh, care increases. Yeah, it's an expensive proposition, you know, getting care um, <clears throat> when you're in that situation and you need care. And I know because my mom's in assisted living 
Um, but you kind of face these critical, this criti- crucial decision as you get older. You know, should you rely on your retirement nest egg or other savings to pay the bill if you need long-term care? Or should you consider the ongoing cost of, of, of long-term care insurance? Should you get that, you know, insurance and pay the premium for it? which continues to go up. Um, well, if you look at the cost of, of the national average cost for various types of long-term care services, it varies greatly, and needless to say, it's not cheap. Um, the average cost runs as low as 19000 a year <clears throat> for adult daycare services, um, which is obviously a very low level of care at kind of a, a, a government-type facility. Um, all the way up to $105,000 a year for a private room in a nursing home. Um, those are the national averages. But the national average for assisted living um, is about $51,600. Hmm. And it's about 55000 for home care or home health aid services. Um, and that's the level of care that most people are at <clears throat> um, that, that use for you know, longer periods of time. So the question is, you know, do you want to buy insurance and pay now to kind of protect yourself against something that may or may not happen? Or do you want to pass on the insurance with the hope that nothing will happen and you won't need that level of care? Um, You know, but moreover, though, having a plan for your care, meaning, you know, who will likely care for you? How do you expect to pay for it? You know, that's increasingly important as you get older and you get into into retirement. Um, long-term care is expensive, but having a plan for your care, you know, might make the difference between, you know, the quality of your life as you get older and your families as you age. Because like you said, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people involved in your family and trying to help you take care of yourself. So, uh, that, so the key is weighing your potential need for care against the cost and the benefits um, of the various options you have. Yeah, and essentially there's really four different ways to pay for long-term care. You can do government assistance, traditional long-term care insurance. There's even hybrid insurance, which offers life insurance or annuity benefits with long-term care coverage. Um, and a personal investment and savings is the other option. You can uh, liquidate your accounts. Um, your options depend largely on your personal and financial circumstances and what you expect for your standard of care. So there's really no one you know size fits all for everybody. So the first we'll look at is government programs. You know, this is really for veterans and people with low income who can't afford uh, cover you know long term care uh, expenses. Um, they might be eligible for um, some assistance from the federal government through Medicaid and the Veterans Health Administration. Um, there's also state-run programs as well. Um, you know, you can't rely on Medicare to cover these costs. Even if you're of the age 65 or older, Medicare age, Medicare doesn't provide benefits for long-term care. It only has limited benefits for short-term care. So pretty important there. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, Medicare won't cover it. You know, Medicaid would cover it if you qualify, but Medicaid, you know, it's in order to qualify, you it's a needs-based program, and so you need to qualify based on income and asset test. Test and Medicaid is generally designed for low-income individuals and families, and you know the benefits and eligibility vary from state to state, and the choices where and how you receive care could be a little bit limited under Medicaid. In general, though, you have to spend the vast majority of your assets down to very little to nothing. Um, or give them away more than five years earlier to qualify for Medicaid. Um, so you, you have to have a 60-month look-back rule for qualifying for by giving assets away. So 
that gets a little tricky. So you want to be careful about that. <clears throat> um, but it's something to consider long term if, if that's what you want to rely on. Another option, though, is traditional long-term care insurance policies. I mean, you can choose the amount of coverage you want, um, you know, how long it lasts and how long you have to wait before you start receiving those benefits. Typically, though, you'll pay an annual premium for life, uh, although your premium payment could be shorter than life. Um, most people choose a lifetime premium option. Um, however, you know, many insurance companies, they no longer offer these traditional policies, and those that do, they raise their annual premiums um, after after you purchase it after a while. Usually about every four or five years, you will get an increase in your premium, and it'll happen with everybody. So it can get a lot more expensive once you buy it, even though the premiums are supposed to be level. Um, but also, policies are very expensive, and they don't cover nearly as much as they did a decade ago. I mean, most policies today only cover a maximum of three to four years. Mm. Um, and then also, <clears throat> they only offer like a 3% inflation option, whereas in the old days, they offered a 5% option. Wow. I mean, my mom has a policy that has a 5% compound inflation, and you can't buy that <clears throat> today. So, mm. you know, it's just not what it used to be. It doesn't cover it nearly as well. Sure. Another one to consider is the hybrid policy. Um, one type of hybrid insurance offers life insurance and long-term care coverage. Um, a life insurance and long-term care hybrid policy will pay for long-term care during your lifetime if you need it. However, if you don't use your long-term care benefits, it will pay a life insurance death benefit to your beneficiaries upon your death. So it gives you a little bit of uh, both you know, life insurance and long-term care. Um, if you had a long-term care need, you would be able to draw down your acceler or accelerate the death benefit amount to pay for your care, subject to a, uh, you know, a monthly maximum amount. However, keep in mind these policies are in general are only giving you early access to the death benefit and your cash value. Yeah, that's right. And they tend to be, you know, pretty expensive, oh, like yeah. all life insurance is when you get older. Um, you know, it's going to be pretty expensive at that age. Another type of hybrid um, is a long-term care annuity, which provides long-term care insurance at uh, multiple of the initial investment amount. Um, investment grows tax-free, you know, in a fixed rate of return, and then it's used for long-term care expenses, and gains will be received, you know, income tax-free as well um, in the policy, uh, for long-term care. But if you qualify for long-term care benefits, long-term care coverage will allow you to draw down, uh, both the account value and the long-term care pool that's inside of it. And then once your account value has been exhausted, then the insurer, uh, would continue to provide the long-term care benefits based on the insurance component of the policy, you know, up to some limit. Um, however, I mean, today's low interest rate environment has made it a challenging for, insurers to provide annuities with many significant long-term care coverage benefits. Um, so it's important to note, I mean, these products have yet to really gain any significant traction in the market. And as a result, they may not be available through, you know, many insurance companies. They're, they're not really, they're not really popular. I haven't seen very many of those yeah. come into the office. So um, yeah, I think it's probably pretty limited for the long-term care annuity option. And then, of course, the other option for covering long-term care expenses would be just personal savings. You know, be using your savings to pay for long-term care costs. Um, you know, that does give you a lot of flexibility. Um, however, before using your savings, you got to ask yourself if your retirement plan is built to kind of withstand those potential experience, uh, expenses. You know, do you have enough? Are you going to have enough 
in your savings to cover that? And if so, um, or if not, are you okay going on Medicaid after you run out of money? Um, if you did end up in a nursing home for 10 years or some, you know, really long period of time. Um, but you also have to consider whether or not you have enough time to continue to save for this option, you know, given that you won't or you know when you might need to begin long-term care services and for how long you might need them. And even if you believe your plan is sound, you know, keep in mind long-term care coverage, um, you know, can help protect other assets and allow you to pass your wealth on to your loved ones. So, you know, long-term care policy can help um, in lieu of that. And if you use your qualified retirement account, such as your 401k or IRAs, you know, there are some tax ramifications, of course, for withdrawals. So you have to consider the tax, uh, tax you know, expenses as well. Yeah. So let's say you've decided you want a long-term care insurance policy. You need to think about a couple of things like when to buy it, how much coverage you want, and the types of features that make sense for your situation. So with fewer companies selling these policies these days, so check this out, only 15 in 2019 versus 125 in 2000. So pretty significant there. Um, Insurers are getting a lot stricter on who qualifies. So unlike health insurance, long-term care insurers can reject a purchase due to pre-existing condition, age, or previous denials. Um, even if you have a long-term care policy, denials of, of claims are quite common. So you want to be on the lookout for that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the older you are, obviously, the greater chance you have that you'll have a medical event that requires long-term care and that you'll develop a health issue, you know, and that keeps insurers from approving, you know, a lot of policy applications. So typically people buy long-term care insurance when they're in the late 50s or their early 60s before they have significant health issues. Um, you know, you're likely to <clears throat> you're likely to pay less for the same amount of coverage than you would if you wait until you're older and you're, you know, less likely to have medical issues that disqualify you for coverage. In addition, though, to the risk of your health d- deteriorating as you age, you know, there's the financial cost of waiting to purchase a policy, um, you know, should it be considered as it will typically become more expensive, you know, um, to purchase the same amount of insurance coverage for each year that you wait. So bottom line is, you know, if you're going to get long-term care insurance, you need to do it when you're kind of in late 50s, early 60s. Otherwise, it gets prohibitively expensive, you know, later on in your 60s or after you have a health issue. Um, And, you know, but anyway, a thoughtful long-term care coverage decision is all about balance. It's weighing what you can afford, uh, you know, also the kind of care that you expect and the risk that you might face. It's not just a financial decision, but, you know, using insurance may help relieve some of the emotional and physical burden that caregivers such as your family members and friends might have. But, um, you know, carefully made a decision uh, that can help avoid the financial catastrophe and the distress. Um can provide you peace of mind in your retirement. So you do want to think through these issues, have a plan for long-term care coverage, um, you know, and just just know what what the ramifications will be. So you want to think through that as part of your overall retirement plan. Absolutely. Anyway, good topic. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah. So this comes from one of our clients. And the question is, I'm selling some property and the buyer has asked me to owner finance. I've never done this before. Where do I start? Well, we would say don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. 
it's dangerous, you know. It's very dangerous. Yeah, let the banks do the banking, and and you don't be. You're not a bank, so it's just very dangerous to do that. So we'd say, hey, um, it can get very messy because a lot of times people want to do that because they don't have good credit. Um, if they can't make payments, then it just becomes quite quite a mess for you. Yeah, I mean, to try to, you know, evict somebody that's not making payments. And the banks are set up for that. They have a process, you know, for, for you know, following through and making sure they get paid. But, you know, you don't want to become the uh, the lender uh, on when you're selling property. So I, my suggestion would be to avoid that at all costs because normally, oftentimes, those go south and it's very difficult to enforce, you know, the contract you have written up for them to make timely payments to you. So, yeah, I, I would not own or finance land, uh, their property, any kind of property for that matter. Um, yeah, let the banks do that. Make them get cash from a bank or from some lending institution and, you know, do a cash sale, not own or finance. Good question, though. Yeah, absolutely. Good question. All right, and that leads up here to our next topic, and that is um, six questions to ask before changing jobs. Yeah, so this comes from Nationwide and also a little bit of Forbes, uh, Mark Avalone there. Um, really, Steve, what we've seen is what people are calling this year the great resignation. So mm. just in April alone, we've had 4 million people quit their jobs, according to the Labor Department. Wow. So a lot of people kind of going back to the pandemic has made people kind of reflect and think about what they want in life. And, you know, normally um, changing jobs has become more common even before the pandemic. On average, according to the balance, people are changing jobs 10 to 15 times over the course of their career. That seems like a lot, but that's what the data says. Um, you know, since you're bound to hop around from one job to another the last few, um, you know, a few times and, um, you know, there's a couple questions you want to make sure you ask. And so what we're really going to look at today is, you know, questions to ask yourself before you change a job, but also questions to ask the HR and hiring manager before you accept a position. So there's some things you want to look at. Yeah, that's right. And first question, Ryan, is, you know, have you exhausted all of your opportunities at your current job? Um, because, I mean, everybody falls into a slump at work at some point. You know, maybe you're not feeling challenged anymore or you don't connect with your colleagues. You know, whatever the problem is, I mean, see if it can be resolved before you go seek out a new job. Because the chances are, you know, some steps that you can take that can make your life at work a lot better. Um, you know, even just changing the way you view your job can make you happier. Um, you know, a positive outlook goes a long way in the workplace to, you know, help you feel more fulfilled. Um, also, I mean, be sure to look for ways to lift your spirits at work. I mean, good jobs are hard to, to find. And, you know, the grass often looks greener on the other side until you get there. Exactly. So just make sure you've explored all your options. Yeah. So if you can honestly say you've explored every option at your current position without success, then it, then it may be time to move on. But you want to make sure you think about that before you do make that change. The next one is, are you thinking long-term? So changing jobs is a decision that will affect many other factors in your life. Um, you could be uprooting your family or leaving close friends. You'll have to adjust to a new company culture, possibly a new way of life. However, that all may be worth the sacrifice if you can picture yourself happy and engaged at work years down the line. So just don't let the thrill of a new job prospect cloud your perception. Remember, all jobs have positive and negative aspects. So changing jobs or changing companies might not always be a good fit for you. Um, thinking long-term also means considering retirement plans. What options would you have at your new job? Um, here are some important questions that we found uh, from Forbes that you should be asking you know, your HR and hiring manager before you take a new position. 
especially when it comes to like your 401k, 403b, and simple IRA. So the first would be, hey, the waiting period and company match. So what is the waiting period to join your company plan? Is it, you know, a couple months down the road? It's good to know that before you go in. Uh, typically, companies have at least a three-month period before you can contribute. Um, the other is, is there a company-provided match? You know, that's a really good retirement benefit uh, within a 401k. Some companies don't do a match, and so that can be a deciding factor when you're saving for retirement. Another one to ask is, are there potential profit-sharing contributions? Um, this is a really good thing for people that are higher um, income earners. Uh, you want to understand that. Um, and also the vesting period. We see, you know, a lot of 401ks have a vesting schedule. You know, if you're not planning on being, or if you're going to consider another job down the road, um, you might not be fully vested with that 401k. And when you leave that job, um, you're going to lose some money. So you want to understand the vesting schedule within the 401k plan. Also, the other question to ask is, are there loans available? Which I would say, hopefully not, because um, we would say borrowing from a 401k is not a good idea. So right. hopefully you're not asking that question. And then another one I, I've just thought of is, you know, after-tax contributions. Do they allow you to do after-tax if you're uh, contributing more than a 19.5 to your 401k? Are there is there extra room to save within that plan? Yeah, that's right. I mean, retirement plan choices and benefits are important. So you might also consider what funds and investment choices are yeah. available. You know, are there lower cost index funds available in your current plan or the new plan? Do they offer Roth 401k provisions? You know, that's a very important benefit for younger, uh, particularly lower income workers. Um, so anyway, though, you'll first want to figure out, though, what basic plans are offered um, when you can contribute and if there's a match involved. Um, but then next, Joe, you want to consider, you know, are you only thinking about the money for changing jobs? Because, you know, a bigger paycheck is certainly a major incentive to change jobs, but don't let that be your sole deciding factor when weighing your options. I mean, if you're only concerned about how much money you're going to be making in your new job, then you might be overlooking kind of the quality of life issues. I mean, keep in mind that no amount of money will make up for an un otherwise unhappy work experience. You know, also, I mean, have you asked for a raise? I mean, you know, build your case and take it to your boss, yep. you know? I mean, if you're... If money's not an issue, and that didn't apply to you, Ryan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you might also, Wait a minute. <laughs> that's right. Don't listen to this, Ryan. <laughs> but you might also be surprised, you know, how receptive they are. You know, I mean, if you're not getting paid enough, you know, bring that before your 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 boss. I mean, don't let that, um, you know, really be a, a roadblock until you've asked. Um, so anyway, another important question, though, you know, will your skills and your training cross over? You know, changing companies or jobs often involves some degree of, of a learning curve. However, I mean, you have to determine whether you're comfortable starting over in some areas. You know, and it may be difficult to transition from a job which you really don't have extensive experience at to one, you know, that's totally new to you like that um, from your current job. So, you know, consider what kind of experience you have in those areas. Yeah, and if you're up for the challenge, you know, do expect bumps along the way. You'll need to invest some time and money in developing your skills. You know, that might mean even taking a few courses over the weekends. Um, but so you just want to know that sometimes changing jobs can be some work and it can be a, an adjustment. Uh, the next one is, do you know what you want? When you're deciding whether to make a job change, there will be a lot of voices from all directions influencing your decision. Family, friends, other people in your life will tell you what they think you should do. 
These perspectives may be helpful to an extent, but other people's opinions regarding your career aren't nearly as important as your own. Having said that, it's good to have trusted friends and family that can help you think through a decision. Always get another perspective from someone that you trust. Um, but if you are confident about your strengths and understanding where you have room to improve, you'll have a better idea what your next steps should be if you do want to make that job change. Yeah, that's right. Another question they ask is, you know, have you done all of your research? I mean, before you take a job offer, answer these questions. You know, what will your relationship be like with your coworkers? What will your salary be? Um, how long will you commute to work? Um, it's a big one. Yeah, it's a big one. You know, I mean, what benefit packages, what will the package include in terms of benefits? And, um, you know, what will the work environment be like? And what are all the responsibilities that are associated with your role? And, you know, how hard would those be or how fun would that be? And what will your work-life balance be like? You know, what are the work hours? Very big one. That's a real big, important question. And then does your position have opportunities for advancement? You know, what the what is the future going to look like? And then will you be able to grow your skill set? Will you be able to challenge yourself and really expand your horizon, you know, with with new skills that excite you? Yeah, and this is by no means an exhaustive list. We didn't even talk about healthcare. It's another thing you want to look at. What do they offer? Um, but so there's, you know, you can never research too much. It's always good to really make sure you do pros and cons before you make this decision. But changing your job is a big decision that requires a lot of careful consideration. So take your time to think about your personal values and career goals. Um, taking uh, this decision uh, seriously will be worth it when you finally decide to change. One book I would suggest is The Proximity Principle. It's by Ken Coleman. He's a Ramsey personality. Okay, yeah. I send it to a lot of my friends and family when they're kind of not content with their job. It really helps you find work you love by just kind of giving you a step-by-step -step process on finding work that is fulfilling for you. Yeah, that's a great topic, you know, and I, I do like that book idea too because – yeah, you don't want to just lightly go change jobs. I mean, it's a big decision, and um, oftentimes it just the grass does look greener on the other side, and it's really not yeah. when you get there. So you want to be careful there. So great, great topic. All right, and that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, so a lot of people are buying homes these days. You know, interest rates are down, so we just see a lot of people buying homes. But you want to be careful with this. Make sure you don't buy too much house. You don't want your home to be a curse rather than a blessing. So... Don't go in over your head um, knowing that, you know, even because interest rates are low, you don't want to buy a home that's too expensive. So make sure you're, uh, when you purchase a home that you can afford it and that your monthly principal interest taxes and insurance is no more than 25% of your income. So you want to be real careful about that because we see a lot of people getting over their heads with too much house and then it becomes quite a stressor in their life. You know, when you start looking for houses too, it's easy to creep, you know, into yeah. a bigger, bigger house because you always have things you want and they cost more, of course. And so, you know, and the realtor is obviously going to show you the most expensive house in your range, <laughs> you know, and they're, they're going to show you thing that something that's even out of your range, right? Because yeah. they get paid off commission. So they want to sell a bigger house. So you just got to be careful there, you know, don't end up in a house that's bigger than you really need, um, that you can't afford. Um, you know, I mean, you just, you just want to make sure that you're in the right size house for your budget. Yeah. Not even from a payment standpoint, but the bigger the house, the more you have to take care of, the more you have to clean, the more you have to fix things. So think about all the aspects of the house, not just the monthly payment. Yeah. And that's exactly right. And in today's hot housing market, it's very easy to get into a house that's more expensive than, yeah, you, absolutely. than you had planned on. So Good prescription of the week. All right, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. 
Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net. We'd love to hear from you. You can uh, link to us there, send us your questions, or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 